It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Asbury Methodist Village and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 26 of the Fantrax Toolship with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, buddy? Hi, how's it going, man? I'm excited to be back and talking some more baseball. Got to attend a game, a live major league game this week. It was awesome. Braves won on a walk-off, so that was a blast. For sure, yeah, it's, that's awesome you were able to get back to a game. I'm hoping to get to a Red Sox game this year, but uh, I haven't looked at the prices too much, but Red Sox always have a high ticket price. Like, I'm pretty sure they were second highest ticket price in all baseball behind the Yankees, so it's always expensive in general, and I'm sure it's going to be all jacked up just because they're only, they're only allowing uh, – it's a low percentage of Fenway. I think they're like they're at like 5,000 fans a game, so that's probably, yeah. I don't know, 12 15% or so. Um, but yeah, it's good to be you know back at live baseball. Some stadiums are doing it full capacity, like down in Texas, which was weird. Like, did you see that Texas? Yeah, it was like it was just weird to see full capacity. Yeah, which, it's encouraging, but it's strange. And then like yeah. college ball, like in Mississippi, like the Mississippi State fans are like, all the students are like packed in the outfield. It's wild, big atmosphere. It's fun. I miss that. Yeah, I do, I do miss it too. But it's just it was just weird to see it again after not seeing it for the last. You know, really 18 months at the end of the 2019 yeah. season. But but yes, we got baseball back. Hopefully get some some minor league games here in a few weeks when the minor league season opens up in the beginning of May. So we're getting there, everyone. We're getting there. But you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews do mean a lot, and we appreciate them. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings that we update every week, sometimes multiple times a week, uh, custom rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at just $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. 
And of course, head on over to FantraxHQ.com for all your fantasy baseball needs every day. We get multiple articles pumping out to help you win your leagues. And check out all the other great podcasts on the network, including Five Tool, SP Streamer, On Campus, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. All right, let's get into this week's episode. As Chris mentioned, we're going to be talking about some hitters that are trending up and down. Our dynasty rankings so far this year, we did pitchers last week. We'll do hitters this week now that we have a bit more data to work with. Let's start in the National League with one of the worst hitters in baseball this year, kind of carrying over his 2020 slump, and that's Keston Hiria of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, another 0 for today, 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout, putting him well – he's pushing the 100 mark now. He's well below the Mendoza line. Uh, coming into the day today, he was hitting 125, so that has dropped. Strikeout rate is very, very high, and it's always been high. Like This has not been just a recent thing, right? Like His strikeout rates for his career, even in his rookie year, 2019, when he hit 303, 368, 570, he still had a 30.7% K rate that year. 2020, it was 346 and so far in 2021 is at around 35% in first career, right around 32.5%. So he has struggled with strikeouts for basically the entirety of his major league career, more so than he did in the minor leagues. He has fallen way down my rankings. Uh, he's down to 90 right now after being top 40 back in February. Chris, what are you making of Kesson Harry right now? I, he this looks lost in the plate. Yeah, he's the most confusing player I've dealt with in a long time because as a college bat, he was so safe. I mean, hit for high average, very low strikeout rates, and you saw the power develop. I mean, the, pow the power wasn't really a thing when he was in college, and he started developing that in the minors while still maintaining a solid hit tool. And you know, a lot of scouts said that he had one of the best uh, hit power tools in the minor leagues, which was crazy, and – I don't know. I'm just at a loss with what to do with him. He looks like a different hitter. He looks like he's just selling out for power now, which I think once he started to gain the power, you know, he got a little power happy and he sold out for it. And it's, it's hurt him. And like you mentioned, the strikeout rates have been absolutely horrendous. The whiff rates have not been good at all. You'd see the strikeout rates rising. It was 30.7%, you know, in his rookie year, even though he performed well, went up to 34.6 last year. It's up to 35.4 now and it's probably up even more i think he struck out today and his whiff rates are just absolutely atrocious well. yeah it's like atrocious yeah. <laughs> like worst in baseball whiff rates it's just not what you want to see and it, it, he has improved slightly against fastballs like he whiffed a lot of, on fastballs last year his whiff rate on fastballs last year 41 percent down to 39.6 percent this year still very 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 bad not good I'm at a loss, man. Eventually, you hit this bad. He's not even good in the field. Like, at what point does he lose his job? And I, I don't mm. know. I just think he's too talented of a hitter. We saw, I mean, for years, three years in college, throughout the minor leagues, he was extremely talented. And I can't, I just don't even know what to do with him because the contact rates are still poor. You know, he hasn't had, I mean, 65%, even in his elite rookie year, 59% last year, 60.2%. So he's right there with those same numbers. The O-swing rate has dropped a little bit, but you know, only about 1.5%. His zone contacts dropped even more this year. I don't know. Uh, I'm at a loss. He's dropping in my rankings. Like you said, he was top 50 for me. 
a guy that obviously I loved as a second baseman, very valuable at the position. And now I see him moving off the position. They're moving him back. And I wonder if that's part of the struggle too, is that they've been bouncing around positions and he's just not comfortable and he hasn't had a chance to get comfortable. Hard to say for sure, but right now I'm not on board. I wonder if he's a buy low, if he's, you can buy low enough. Like, Ah, it's hard to say. In, one of, in my home dynasty league this past week, he went for Starling Marte. And even though there's a big age gap, I'm not sure if I'd deal Marte for Hira. I don't know. <laughs> I'm in a tough spot with Hira. Marte just got hurt today, though, with that. Yeah, yeah but yeah, and, and I get you in general. But yeah, Hira just kind of flipped the script of what he's all about. Like you mentioned, like, it was a high contact guy in the minor leagues. I was like, all right, he might be a 290-300 hitter. We'll see how the power comes along. And just as the power came along, the contact skills went in the toilet. And he doesn't walk a whole ton. His walk rate's about 7% for his career. We mentioned the strikeout rate well over 30% and always has been. He hasn't had an OBP above 300 since his rookie year. So, yeah, he's a buy low, I guess. But then again, like if you have here, yeah, I, I don't know if it's wise to sell him right now because you'd be selling for way low. And yeah, he might not turn it around, but I don't know. It might just be better to hold him just to see if he can turn it around. And when he does show that first sign of turning it around, maybe he has a good couple weeks and looks like he's riding the ship, then that might be the time to sell him. But yeah, man, he just looks totally lost at the plate right now. And speaking of totally lost at the plate, Let's keep it in the NL Central. Talk a few Cubs here. But the first one I kind of want to get to here, Javier Baez. So he's been – I tweeted out earlier today, well, yesterday, when you're listening to this, that Baez has been a giant mixed bag this year. You know, he got his uh, four home runs and has fifth steal yesterday. So that's good. Four home runs, five steals, that's positive. But then coming into yesterday, 192, 250, 442 slash – 1.8% 1.8% walk rate to 44.6% strikeout rate. So he had one walk to 25 strikeouts. He had a 48.7% contact rate, which is last in baseball by a full 9%. Joey Gallo was second uh, lowest, I should say. Last in Z contact, fourth worst in O contact, highest swinging strike rate of 27.7%. That's highest by 5.5%. I mean, the home runs and steals are nice, but you've got to wonder how much of that is legit with what he's showing as a hitter. And he's never had a great he's, – his, he has one of the worst plate approaches in baseball. So he's hard to trust, but how that power speed is still there and the fact that he's a good defender to keep him in the game, you know, because of what he provides there. What are you thinking on Baez right now? I mean, we and we both have him, I think, right at our top 100, but – you think he can turn it around, or is he just this is what he is? I think that this is just what he is, and I hate to say that, but you just look at the progression of his plate approach, and it's just continually gotten worse. The strikeout rates on the rise each year, his walk rate is continually dropping, and so you just wonder, like, is this who he is? And yeah, I think there's another level that he could get back to, but even if he reverts to his old self, like from a plate approach standpoint, it's still not good. And you just look at the numbers and like the hard hit rates been good every, I mean, since 2018, he's been above 40% every year. 
you look at his max exit velos, the power's obviously there. I mean, this year is average exit velocity. I know we're looking at a smaller sample. He's only got 27 batted balls registered right now, but the average exit velocity is up to 92 and a half miles an hour, which is really good. And, you know, up from 89.4 last year, the launch angle is good. But again, I just think he's going to strike out too much. It's, this is the bad thing. You look at a sweet spot percentage, which is with a batted ball within like eight degrees and 32 degrees. And it's at 18.5%, which is absolutely terrible. Like, again, one of the worst. His expected batting average of 187 doesn't give me much hope. His ex slug, though, you look at 383, that's not great at all. And so when you look at those numbers, you, you don't get very encouraged when you see, you know, his ex slug only at 383. That's not what you want to see for a guy who has hit for decent power, even. That's a crazy thing. But, you know, the power speed is good. It's good to see him stealing bases again, which, you know, had been down. We had seen those elite seasons where he, you know, back in 2018, he stole 21 bases, dropped to 11 in 2019, then just three last year. So he's already stole more than he did last season in just 15 games, and he played 59 last year. So I encourage to see him run again. I don't know. I just question, like, in a batting average league, he has some upside, but OBP league, dude, he's terrible. Like, you're, you, he's going to be sub-300 OBP, in my opinion, which is a hard bullet to bite, even with the power speed. That he brings to the table. I just think you look at him and he is who he is. I think yeah. you look at a guy who has power, some decent speed, and a terrible plate approach. He's like Tim Anderson with much lesser contact skills. Like, yeah. doesn't walk a lot, but the contact skills are just so atrocious with Baez. I don't know. I'm kind of out on him. You know, I, I've kind of been leaning out. Even I, I traded for him in the offseason in uh, 30 Rock. Just because I think the price was pretty good, and I was like, yeah, maybe he'll bounce back. But and he's probably going to tear at some point because you know these types of guys just get hot and, and carry your team for a few weeks. But just the inconsistencies with bias because of, of the approach and the contact skills, the peaks and valleys that'll come with rostering him, it's just too maddening for me. So who are you more kind of encouraged by? Who are you still more in on? Are you still more in on Huria or Bias right now? For me, it's probably Huria because he's younger. You know, has more time to kind of write the ship. You know, Baez is still was he twenty eight, but we've yeah. kind of seen what Baez is. So, are you more in on Hiria right now than Baez? Yeah, I think so because again, Hira showed for years that he was a good contact hitter, and I think yeah. that I, I just have a hard time believing you just forget that and you just become that bad. And so, it's so hard to say. I don't know. Uh, like I said, Hira's the most frustrating player I've you know dealt with. But right now, I still think that he can turn it around. And again, Baez is solid, but he's outside my top 100. Here is still inside of it. I'm going to go Hira. Yep, same here. Uh, I, I got Hira about 15 spots ahead. And yeah, I have more confidence in him turning things around than Baez at this point. But they are both very, very rough. So yeah, if we had to buy low on one, I definitely, I think we both agree we'd go Hira for sure. Now look at the other two big Cubs names here with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Rizzo had two home runs today. Bryant has five on the season, so it looks like his power might be coming back. We'll see. What are your thought? What are your thoughts? And I know you, you wanted to talk Bryant here. Are you kind of buying back into Bryant being a you know consistent power threat? I'm still personally, I don't know. I'm still. He's always been a guy that he has had to rely on the launch angle, right? He's never had big exit velocities, big hard hit rates. It's always been because he had the ideal launch angle. He elevates consistently. And those guys, I just don't really trust, you know, because relying on the launch angle is always a tough thing to do. 
But this year, you know, he's looking good. The hard hit rate is right now 44.1%, which is not great, but it's the best he's had since his rookie year <laughs> back in 2015. Or no, that wasn't rookie year. That was the first year StatCast was um, there. But yeah, still the highest rate in six years now. Last year was 31.9%. You know, barrel rate is by far the highest of his career. Yes, small sample size, but are you kind of buying back into Bryant this year right now? In Rizzo, yeah, what do you think I, of both of them, really? Yeah, I mean, again, I think you both of them, and Bryant has been a steady, like, fall down. Rizzo, at least, I think Rizzo was just a factor of a weird year last year. And so yeah. I, you know, I didn't dock Rizzo at all for his season last year. And he's he's been much improved. He's <laughs> hit two home runs tonight against. My Braves, but overall he's looked good. He's hit the ball hard. You know the the exit velo is right in line with what he's done in the past, and he's I mean he's always been a good average hitter. So I expect that to to really jump back up. You know two forty five before tonight, but that'll obviously jump. He's been having a good game, and he's even stole two bases, man, which is crazy. Rizzo, you're not expecting a lot from, but no, he's been good. And I won't say that he's a riser. Like we're talking about players that are moving our dynasty rankings. Rizzo's not really moving because he's 31 and we we know what he is. I didn't move him from last year much at all. But I still think he's like a, a borderline top 100 guy just based on his age. But the talent level's there. He's going to perform. So if you're listening, you're in a redraft league, you know, I think Rizzo's going to be a top 50 guy this year. He's that good. And we know what he is. He's going to provide good average. He's going to give you some solid power numbers. And that's what he is. Now, Bryant, I just really think that he'd been playing through injuries. He's never been a stat cast darling by any means at all. He's never hit the ball extremely hard. You look at his exit velocities there. Eh, mediocre best. I mean, max exit velo, his best was in 2017, 113. Other than that, you look, he's like 111, 110, 111, 108's his max this year, but his average is up to 89.2, which is encouraging. And you mentioned the hard hit rate being up, which is encouraging. The barrel rate's been good. And again, I don't, this is a question we'll probably never have answered, but you look at shoulder injury. So, what Bryant was dealing with for so long, and you saw his launch angle continue to rise. And that's a common thing with guys who have shoulder stuff. They try to do too much and they loft the ball. So, you see, you hit 19 and 20 degrees, that's that's too high. And especially when you don't hit the ball as hard as he does, you, when you post those eh, right. mid tier exit velos, when you're putting it at 20 degrees, it's not going to get out of the park. It's one thing. Low. It's one thing if you're Joey Gallo doing that, hitting the yeah. ball, hitting the piss out of the ball, but right. not not when you've had middling exit velocities. Yeah, when, when you're Stanton or Gallo and you hit it 118 off the bat, you can hit it at 30 degrees and it goes <laughs> right. out. Exactly, you can get away with that. But when you hit it, <laughs> when you hit it 100 miles an hour, you're not getting away with it. But he's lowered that this year. It's actually the lowest of his career at 16.6 degrees, which I think is encouraging. I don't know. I do think that there's still the upside. I just look back at the the MVP season that he had, and you just wonder, like, again, with Hero, like, what happened? You know, like, he was so good, and he just fell off the map so hard. He's been a, a solid average hitter. I think he gets back to that. He's at 271 right now, five home runs. And you look at his batted balls, and there's a lot of good batted balls. You see he's hit a lot of balls pretty far. You look at his spray chart. He could actually have several more home runs, which is encouraging, but – yeah, I don't know. I think Bryant, you know, he's still 29, so hes I won't say he's young by any means, but I do think that Bryant can jump back up and be like a top 75 dynasty asset, and he had fallen pretty far. So definitely monitoring this year, but he's one that I think could make a, a jump and continue to rise. 
I'm glad as a 30 year old, I'm glad to hear that 29 is not young by any means. <laughs> yeah. oh, getting up there in age now. Not everyone listening that's older than me is like, oh, probably grouching at me. But um, with, with Bryant, though, like you kind of mentioned that with the, with the injuries, I feel like he's always dealing with something. It's nothing ever major. He's ever missed like major time, but it's always like shoulder here or this and that. It's like, you know, usually it's when mostly with the shoulder and not I've dealt with a ton of shoulder injuries and it forced me to obviously I don't play outside of like rec leagues now, obviously, but I went from being a righty hitter to a lefty hitter. Mostly I still can, I still hit right sometimes, but it's because my shoulder was so bad. It forced me to switch hit and uh, shoulder injuries is a way of sapping power. It's probably a big reason why his exit velos have always been down because he's always been dealing with shoulder injuries, but for that reason, that's why I've kind of shied away. I used to be a huge, huge Bryant guy when he when he came up. You know, I was that was I think that was my first. Everyone kind of knows me. I'm the free the prospect guy, free Clint, free Kellnick, free Vaughn. Uh, Chris Bryant, I think, was my first free the prospect guy that I was. You know, even though I wasn't even on Twitter back then, because I was twenty what fourteen or so. I was three years before I even got on Twitter, but I was kind of harping for him to play back then, probably on Facebook at the time, but. He's just always dealing with something, so I don't know. I, he's still like a borderline top 100 guy for me in Dynasty Leagues, but I just can't move him back up anywhere higher than that until I see a full season where he's not hampered by something. It's just always something there, so I'm kind of – I'm not saying I'm out on Bryant, but I don't have many shares of Chris Bryant right now just because of all the injuries he's had. But let's go to a little more positive here uh, down to the NL East. Jazz Chisholm has been pounding the you-know-what out of the ball this year. He's been hitting home runs, stealing bases. But what I want to ask to you, Chris, for me personally, I think he's a great sell high right now. Even though, like I said, the power and speed is there. I think he's had he's had three home runs, three steals, hitting well over 300. But that's why he's a sell high. And he falls into one of those three ideal times to sell high in a prospect is after they come up and excel in their initial, you know, debut, even though he did play some last year, but he's not a 300 hitter. He is not anywhere close to 300 hitter. We've talked about this on other pods before about his approach, how it's, you know, even though his walk rate has ticked up over the last couple of years, higher than it was in the low minors, but he always strikes out of the high clip. His average has fluctuated from like, 280 to 220 to 270 to 240. So I think right now is a great time to sell high because you can probably get a good return on him because the hype around him right now is very, very high. But I just think you're going to have those. Like right now, he's on one of his peaks and he's the type of hitter that will have these peaks. But the strikeout woes are going to cause a lot of valleys as well. So I'm saying the sell high right now. Are you thinking the same? Or are you kind of buying what you've seen from Jazz this year? Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. And this is, you see everybody on Twitter talking about, well, if you would have listened, you would have known Jazz would have done this. Jazz, this is exactly who Jazz Chisholm has been and is going to be. Right. He, exactly. He's a 2020 guy, and he's going to go through some slumps soon. And he, he's, his batting average is going to up around 250. Yeah, that's exactly who Jazz is because he's going to go through some rough patches. He swings and misses too much. His whiff rate's high. His strikeout rate, while right now is reasonable at 25%, Still think he's higher than that. You look at his contact rates. I mean, the encouraging thing is that he's been swinging less out of the zone, which I think has helped him. But still, his contact rates aren't great. It's seventy-two percent. It's just it's just average. It's just an average contact rate. Nothing special. And 
home run to fly ball rates coming down 25%. That's, that's kind of high for a player of his caliber. He's not a big power hitter, like a big power hitter. You can get 20, 25%. That's not who he is. He's right. good. Don't get me wrong. Jazz. We've said, we've said it for a long time. 2020 upside is there, but you got to know that it's coming with the batting average tank soon. He's going to strike out. I don't know. Love the guy. He's fun to watch. He's exciting, but I just think it could be a great time to sell and capitalize, man. People are going berserk about him. So I'm all in on that. Yeah. I said, I think this is a great time right now because he's not, a, like I said, he's not a 300 hitter. He's like, I, I agree. He's more of a 250 ish hitter and that could improve. Like he's still very young. He's very motivated, very driven. He, he's one to root for You just got to love, you know, jazzism, the personality he has. Like you said, you saw that, you see that little, uh, back and forth between him and Acuna on second base where they're like showing the hair and stuff like that. You got to love that. He's just a great personality. seems like he's a, a good guy, but yeah, I, th- I think this is a great time to sell high. Let's move on here to a couple of couple of your guy, a couple of Chris Clegg guys here, Nick Castellanos and Zach McKinstry. So let's start with McKinstry here. He's kind of the, the more of the newcomer here making his debut and getting some good playing time. What have been your thoughts on McKinstry so far? He's been looking damn impressive. Yeah, he's been awesome. And this is, again, it's exactly who we thought he was. He just needed the reps. And we talked about it several times in the offseason where I I said I thought he could be this year's Jake Cronenworth. You know, nothing special, nothing flashy, but just a good all-around player. And he can play every single position. He's been solid. He's definitely benefited from injuries, but – Bellinger might be out a while. Yep. I wouldn't surprise me to see him get some more rep. He he's playing pretty much. If he plays five or six days a week, you got to start him. I think he's a must start in in all leagues. Honestly, you know he doesn't hit the ball extremely hard. He barrels it up well though. I, I'm encouraged. I do see a lot of characteristics of Cronenworth. I think he's going to hit for a decent average. He's going to give you some pop. I think there's there's a little speed. There's not great speed by any means, but he could give you some steals. Not out of the question. You look at his spray chart too. It's been dang impressive. He's hit a couple home runs, you know, opposite field, and he's had two more that were doubles that would have been out in majority of parks. And then you know, his poolside power is pretty good too. He's got more power than people think. Like I think there, he's obviously he's hit three so far. I think there's 20 home run upside here. Yep. Might chip in five steals or so and. The, the hit tool is really good, and this is the thing. The Dodgers kept talking about how impressive he was all offseason and in can fall instructs. He was right there. They talked about with Gavin Lux how good they both were, and now we're seeing the results, man. It's been encouraging. I'm very happy for the guy. I mean, you look at the contact rates. His zone contact's 95%. Very, very impressive. Yeah, he's lowered his ground ball rate a little bit, which is good. He, he needs to hit the ball in the air more, and he's done that. You know, 35% fly ball rate, 20% line drive rate. Overall contact rate around 80% is solid. I think he's here to stay. I really do. He, he's extremely talented. Just got to get the playing time. But, you know, 50 plate appearances so far, definitely encouraging. I'm all in. Yeah, for sure. I, I kind of regret trading him in 30 Rock. Did, did I trade him to you? I probably did. I don't have him, actually. I wonder who I traded them to then. Oh, they yeah. traded them in the offseason. I remember, I remember talking with you about trading McKinstry to you. I think we, we just never came to an uh, a f- agreement, obviously. But yeah, I became I'm, worried about his playing time. Like, and then I was me too. Like, I got cold feet. I should have got him. Yeah, the thing is, like, I should have held on to, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I should have held on to him just because he's the type of player that the Dodgers love. Like, he's a, a kind of another, like, Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez type of guy. 
that can play multiple positions, do you know, a solid offensive player. He's kind of like a younger Chris Taylor almost kind of. Yeah. Where and I said the Dodgers have always loved those guys. They had Kike for several years. They've had Chris Taylor for a while now. Obviously, Kike is in Boston now, but he kind of could fill that Kike role. And even when everyone's healthy, he's still got to get a good amount of playing time. I think they've shown that. And obviously, yeah, Bellinger's been hurt. Mookie was you know missed several days uh, earlier, you know, over the last week and into this week. But I think he said play, you know, a good. He said five, six times a week. He'll probably miss, you know, get a game or two here and there. Obviously, it's because all the players they have, but he could eat into Lux's playing time. And, and then look in the outfield, you know, AJ Pollock obviously has missed a ton of time over his career. So he could go on the IL. He's looks like he's always one swing or one, you know, fly ball, you know, into the gap that he has to charge down away from landing on the IL. So he, you could see him get hurt. There's, you know, they could rest, you know, Bellinger and Betts down the stretch because the Dodgers are off to like a 14 and two start or something. So let's say they're going to be cruising to another easy playoff berth. So, they could, you know, want to give some extra rest to their, you know, their big guys. So I think McKenzie's going to get some playing time this year. And like you mentioned, he's not like a star, but just really, really solid across the board. Can give you a little bit of everything, especially in the average and some good pop. That pop really came out in 2019, hitting nine home runs in 479 plate appearances after having only 11 combined in three years before that. So then hit 300 as well, you know, can walk a good, decent amount, doesn't strike out a ton. He's just a really solid all-around player, so uh, he's definitely moving up my rankings here. And he'll he'll move up even more if he can get like if he can get a starting gig. But I don't know if he's ever be one of those guys that gets like a you know walk down. All right, he's the starting second baseman or a starting center fielder, whatever. So I don't think he'll ever be that guy, but definitely moving up my rankings for sure. Yeah, and as long as he's with the Dodgers, he'll never be. But he can play. He's good enough glove. He can play anywhere in the field. Like right. they can even put him as, at first base, which diminishes his value in the field, but. He can. He's going to play everywhere at some point, I think. And you're looking at the eligibility. He's going to gain That's second sweet, base. Yeah. He's outfield, so you got to be thrilled to have a second base outfielder that could potentially gain third base if need be. Like if Justin Turner goes down, they could slide him over there. I mean, obviously they got Edwin Rios too, but you know, there, there's potential he can play everywhere, which helps. But you know, if he was any with any other team, he'd be a starter every day, which would would be a huge boost to his value but even but you got to like him in that Dodgers lineup even five days a week you got to love what he can do in that lineup right I guess that's the old get away like what's better like five days in the Dodgers lineup or full-time in Pittsburgh or something yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would take you know five days in the Dodgers where do you have him right now in your dynasty ranks I have moved him up he, he just missed my top 500 in my last update. I have him now pushing 300. Where do you have him? Yeah, I think I've got him like 350, but I need to update again. I'm going to update because I, when I was walking through positionally, I was updating, and that, I think I did second base towards the very beginning of the season. So I kind of bump him up a little bit, but I think he'll be – I think he can break 300. I think he's good enough to yep. crack the top 300. Absolutely. Definitely a name on the rise. And another one of your guys here, he's cooled off a little bit of late after his torrid start to the season. But Nick Cassianos is looking really, really good this year. And what have you seen from, from Cassianos? And where do you have him in your rankings? It's the same thing I've seen the last few years. And that's that's the thing I've always questioned. Like, why doesn't he give value appropriately? I think he's always been undervalued because 
you know, he's always been a good batting average source. He's got monster power and it just didn't come to fruition in Detroit. Like you look at his spray charts and you look at Detroit, it's just not a great hitters park. And as soon as he left, like when he went to Chicago, he just took off. You know, you saw all those doubles. He led the league in doubles like every year in Detroit. And those doubles turned into home runs in Chicago. And now he's an even more hitter-friendly park in Cincinnati. And, you know, last year wasn't the best year. Like he was on an MVP start the last, the first several weeks of the season in Cincinnati. And then, you know, it kind of tapered off. Like 2020 was a weird year. So I got to, you know, take it for what it is. But we saw what he was capable of. And, you know, this year he just stepped right in and doing it again. He's the same average exit velocity. He's finding the sweet spot at a generous rate. He's got a 50% hard hit rate. The strikeout rate, that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest knock on him last year is that he was always like a 21% strikeout rate. He jumped to almost 29% last year, which confused a lot of people. And, you know, again, a lot going on. Maybe he was a guy that relied on in-game video. He just didn't speak up. And this season he's at 15%, which is great to see. Walk rate's down, but he's swinging it a lot. He's making a lot of contact, and he's hitting the ball hard. And, you know, so you mentioned the average has dropped to 295, but his his XBA is still 385, which is super mm. encouraging. 781 X slug, which is just off the charts. And you look at the spray chart, you know, he's got five home runs, but he could easily have maybe eight or nine, which is nuts. So it's not out of the question that he's a 35 home run guy that hits 300, I don't think. And so, again, you look at his age, he's 29 years old. So for Dynasty, it's not like I can boost him up a ton. But I do think I've had him around like 80 overall, and I think that he maybe can push you know, 60 to 70 range just, just due to age. But I do think he's talented. I think he's just been who he is. He just hadn't got the results, and I think he's going to get the results this year. Yeah, and you look at his stats since leaving Detroit. He's had 125 combined games, 74 with Cincinnati, 51 with the Chicago Cubs. And in those 125 games, which is 527 plate appearances, he has 35 home runs and 35 doubles. He actually led the league in triples one year in 2017 <laughs> with 10, which is kind of nice. odd. But, uh, yeah, he's always been super solid. I think he's never had the big home run. Like he's ever cracked during the season. His career high is 27 back in 2019. And then last year he was on a another 30-plus home, homer pace. You know, he had 14 in 60 games, but he only hit 225 with a 298 OBP. So I think that kind of has kind of kept his value down a bit. But definitely, even though he's like I say, even though he's cooled off from his torrid start, like the first week of the year, he's like arguably the best hitter in baseball. Uh, I'm definitely not, and I've been a guy that's kind of been you know lower on Castellanos the most, but I like him in Cincinnati. He's showing the good power. I think he could be a you know a 275, 280 type guy with 30 plus home runs and. I think once he finally does put together one of those seasons where he finally does crack 30, I think you'll, you'll see him shoot up maybe even close to some top 50s. I think he can go that high. I have him right around 70 to 70 or 70 to 75 my rankings right now. He's in that range of the cluster of other hitters. But, yeah, I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing out of Cassianos uh, this year and ever since he left Detroit. And it's not, not to say he was bad in Detroit, but it's just not a good hitter's park. And he didn't really break out until – 2017 when he hit 272 with 26 home runs, 101 RBI, and those league-leading 10 triples to go along with it. But, uh, yeah, just a very solid on-run hitter. Like, I don't see what the big difference is between like him and like a Eugenio Suarez. You know, Obviously, you know one plays outfield, one plays third base, so you get the di- difference in position there. And obviously third base is a little more sexier than outfield. But 
they're kind of similar players. And I think there's even some more batting up upside with Castellanos with some more power. So uh, I definitely have him sneaking up my rankings right now. I don't think it'll be top 50 for me, but yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm right with you with that top 60 to the 70 range. I think that's very fair for Castellanos and a good time to buy right now. Before we get over to the AL here, let's end the NL with a couple top 10 players, but guys have been dealing with a lot of injuries lately. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. had another shoulder injury. He's back, which I think is a really bad decision by the uh, Padres because why do you rush back a guy you just invested a third of a billion dollars in? Like you, you can give him an extra week or two, and I don't think it'll really hinder you in the standings long term. You might lose another game or two, but there, I think there could be a playoff team regardless. And then Yelich, back injury he's been dealing with after he had the knee injury last year. Is it, you know, are you worried about these two two guys? Like, obviously, Tatis is a generational talent, but Yelich getting, you know, up there in age a little bit. He's getting up near 30 now. Back, knee. I wonder with him, is he ever going to run like he did when he was peak Yelich a couple of years ago, right? And if, and if he's more of a, you know, 10 to 15 steel guy, is he going to be a top 10 dynasty asset? I think he might start falling out of the top 10. Tatis obviously is locked in, top 10, top five. But with him, I am also a little bit worried that he's already had a couple of these shoulder injuries, you know, at such a young age. You know, obviously I'm not like saying sell Tatis or anything like that, but there's a little bit of concern there with me. I don't know. You feel the same way? Yeah, with with Yelich, you know, once he had that knee injury, you already worry about him running and the back problems, you know, not good at all. I, I think you're right. I think he's maybe like a 10 steel type guy and maybe does he just stop running altogether? I don't know. It, it's so hard to say for sure, but backs are never good. Then hopefully the knee problems behind him at this point, but man, I am definitely worried. And you saw what he did. Like that one season where he just went off, like he was the best player in baseball that year. And I think he vaults himself into easily top five dynasty stats when you see how quick you can lose it too and right. i don't know that's just the concerning thing is just the injuries i don't know i don't know where he's going to be how how long is he out with this we'll see but man it's just not encouraging at all so i'm definitely concerned with yelich and maybe even long-term like value i'm not concerned about tatis long-term value i'm worried about tatis from this year's standpoint, because I think that he's, like you said, he's been rushed and I think that injury is going to linger, but long-term man, I'm definitely worried about Yelich for sure. Yeah. So if that speed's not there, he's going to have to be a huge average, you know, huge power guy that remain in the top 10 and yeah, he could, but yeah, right now I have him 10th on the dot. He's every time I update my right, he moved down one. He was fifth and sixth and seventh. Now he's down to 10th. Um, I can see him something on a few more here, but yeah, I'm definitely starting to get concerned with Christian Yelich. And same thing with Cody Bellinger, another you know injury. What's it? The, the fractured uh, fibula, tibula. Yeah, one, yeah, one of one two. Of I forget. One, one of the ibulas. Uh, <laughs> one fractured leg, put it that way. But yeah, and another you know lower body thing. I don't know. He's just he had the shoulder issue, then the leg issue, and he's not been like, elite since that half season where he was just ab- an absolute monster. He's another one kind of sliding down my ranking, still top 20, but he's more in the mid-teens now than a top 10 asset. But a couple of these big names are dealing with some injuries here. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and talk the American League. Stick with us. 
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from break. Talking hitters that are trending up and down our dynasty ranks and how they're looking so far this year. Just get done with the National League. Let's head on over to the American League and start with a stat cast darling, a darling of everybody at one point or another. If you say you did not like this guy a ton at one point or another, you are lying to yourself, my friend. That is Byron Buxton of the Twins. Now, Chris, you've been d- digging into a lot of StatCast early this season with your weekly StatCast article that comes out on Tuesdays on FantraxHQ.com. What have you been seeing from Buxton early on this season? A lot of fantastic, man. He's yeah. smoking the ball. And he uh, he's he's missed a couple games with the hamstring and then the postponement. So you know, he's kind of – you could say that he's slowed down just because he hadn't been playing. But you just look at the line right now. It's just really good. 469. 528. Hold on. Wait for the slugging. No, this isn't his OPS. This is the slug. It's 1094. It's really good. Is that, is that good? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Five home runs, one stolen base. He, he's been hitting so many home runs, he can't steal bases. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, it's, hard, it's hard to steal a second when you're trotting around the bases. Right. His sprint speed's still the best in baseball, so no concerns there at all. You look at the, the barrels. He's Last season, he had 96 batted balls. And he only barreled, had 13 barrels. This year, 26 batted balls, seven barrels already, which is a 27% rate. You look, his career, 3%, 5%, 5%, 1%, 8%, 13.5 last year, and 27% this year barrel rate. Obviously not sustainable, but still great start. Average exit velo at 97 miles an hour. Max exit velos up to 114 from last year being a 111.9. The launch angle, that's one thing I want to hit on. You saw him start hitting the ball harder, but the launch angle had gotten too high. We mentioned that Chris Bryant stuff, 20 degrees in 2019, nearly 24 degrees in 2020, just way, way, way too high for a guy like Buxton, especially. This year, it's down to 13.5%, which is great. You look at the sweet spot percentage, which is, again, those batted balls in that good range there between 8 and 32 degrees. And that's 34.6%, which is great. All the numbers are just fantastic. His ex-woe ball in contact is, is 0.665, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and a near 70% hard hit rate. Strikeout rate has dropped to 16.7%. His walk rate's back up to near 6%, which he's never been a big walk rate guy, but 6% right. will play. So the contact's been improved. He's been striking out less, and he's been hitting the ball hard. It's hard to not love what he's doing. This is what he was supposed to do from the beginning. Like, as a prospect, this is who he was, and he's just faltered for year after year. So it's so good to see him finally doing it. And again, seems like he's been around forever, just 27 years old, just entering the prime of his career. Byron Buxton breakout is happening. Man, I hope so, because he's – consistently shown that he's one of the most talented players in baseball. Like you, you read all up all the things like you look at his savant page. It is littered with red 99th percentile sprint speed, hundred percentile hard hit X log hundred 
XBA 99th. In first career, he's right around like a 25, 30 pace for his career. And yeah, I don't think he's kind of showing that he's not, doesn't want to steal as much. So maybe, you know, he's trying to like tone it back a little bit because that's been like one of his problems. Um, it's fun to watch him in center field. He's one of the best defensive center fielders in all baseball with his all out style, but that has gotten him into issues. All those dives, all those crashes into the wall. That is fun to watch. And I would love to have that type of guy if I was a pitcher behind me in center field, but it's not great for staying on the field for a full 162 and getting those 600 plus plate appearances. So you, you got to wonder if the speed ever goes back to 25, 30 steals like he, he kind of was early on in his career. Maybe he's much more of a power guy now, which is what he's kind of looks like he's transitioning into over the last couple of years and less desire to run. Like last year, only two steals in 39 games. This year, only it's only one and nine so far. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very intrigued by what I've seen from him so far. And even over the last two years, he's still a big time power speed guy. I think the average is going to kind of obviously he's going to regress from 469, but I don't think he's ever going to be a 300 guy. I think he's more like a, I guess he's settling in around 270 or so, especially if he's hitting the ball as hard as he is with the speed that he has. You know, that those types of guys have a way of having a higher batting average than maybe they should and added, you know, 10, 15, 20 points just because of the, you know, power and speed that they show. But he just needs to stay healthy. He said one year of over 100 games and over 500 plate appearances. That's back in 2017 when he had 16 home runs and 29 steals. Since then, 28 games, 87 games, 39 games. Well, you get it. That was in two thirds of a season. Um, so 39 out of 60. So he actually played. He's on pace for like 115, 120 games played last year. But who who knows if you had, if you would have reached that plateau uh, if we had a full 162. But yeah, he's he just needs to stay healthy. I am very intrigued though by what I see from him in this early stack. I see he's been one of the top hitters in baseball this year. To stay healthy, so I'm moving him back into my top 100, but barely. If I see him stay healthy for at least just give me a 130, 140, if you give me that, I will move him up even more. But it's just he needs to stay healthy, and he has not shown that he can do that. So while I'm intrigued with this start, I'm kind of like, all right, let's see it for a month, two months, three months, and stay on the field. You have to be tearing the cover off the ball like he is now, but just show consistently good production for a long period of time. I think you'll see everybody shoot him way up their rankings, buy back in. Like he could be, you know, if, if he continues and has a really good year, he could be like a top 50 guy in next year's draft. I can see everybody kind of buying back in on Buxton if he shows a, a healthy season. So fingers crossed that he does, because I've always been a Buxton guy. Another very impressive player here to start the season that I tweeted about earlier, Shohei Otani. He's hard to be one of the best athletes, baseball athletes in the entire world. See so what he can do from both a hitting perspective and a pitching perspective. Entering today's games on Sunday, he had 83rd percentile average exit velocity, 100th percentile max exit velocity, 119 miles an hour, 24% barrel rate, 90th percentile, near, a near 50% hard hit rate, XBA 88th percentile, X slug 95th percentile, Oh, yeah, 96% sprint speed as well. Average fastball velocity, 98.1 miles an hour. Yeah, on the pitching side of things, you know, the command and control is still a worry, but just focusing on the hitter that he is, and he's showing that he's one of the best hitters in the league, and, you know, he showed that in 2018 and 2019 with kind of back-to-back 
285, 350-ish, 500-plus slugging seasons with you know a near 30-15 pace for home runs and, and steals. And he's on four home runs, two steals so far to start 2021. Just looking at him from a hitter, do you think he can be a top 50 hitter, especially if the Angels continue to hit him as often as they have this season? Yeah, no doubt. He's absolute stud. and He's so impressive, man. Yeah, and it's awesome that he can do both, but I wish they just honestly just let him hit. You know, right. he's he's very t- obviously talented enough to do both, but you just think what he could be if, and he's hit most every day. I mean, 54 plate appearances so far has been great. He hadn't walked much, just a 3.7% walk rate, you know, strikeout rate, 20 near 26%. It's okay. When you hit the ball, hard hit rate of 50%, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You can play with that. And the exit velocities are elite. Like you mentioned, the barrel rate, you know, everything's just extremely solid. He could legit be a 300 hitter that can give you 30 home runs and 15 steals. Is that crazy? No, maybe a little high on the average, but no, like that's pretty spot on. And yeah, you know, you know what I would love? I just kind of just popped up to my mind where you mentioned let him focus on hitting. I think what may be a, a great middle ground for this, make him a closer. Uh, that's true. Can you imagine that? Like, get a potential top 10 closer that can also hit 330 home runs, 15 steals. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how they handle him as a starter, but you know, he hasn't shown the greatest durability as a starter and have the, the, the army issues. So maybe they, maybe they do. I don't think that will be out of the realm possibility, but who knows? But yeah, just from a heading perspective, he is so damn good. Like seeing him like in the, in a savant box score, have like the top exit velo, the top fastball velocity. It's, it's yeah, insane, man. This is taking like, this is Madison. You know, we've looked at like, you know, what's the best hitting pitchers, Madison Bumgarner, uh, DeGrom's a pretty good, but like, this is a whole nother level where you have a top 50 hitter, in a potential top 50 pitcher, if he's actually can stay on the mound and correct those command and control issues. But as a hitter, he's just so damn good. And I hope you can another one like Buxton, just stay healthy. And if they keep playing on like, like, yeah, the, the approach is a little bit of an issue right now. Only two walks to 14 K's kind of like you mentioned, but if they, if they play him 140, 150 games you know, in the lineup, yeah, 30, 15 is very possible because he's shown you know, like I said, 2018, 2019, where he played right around two thirds of a season, 104 and 106 games played respectively those years. He was on right around 30, 15 pace each of those two seasons with the batting average right around 285. So, and then 2020 is just an anomaly, weird shortened season, dealing with injuries, batting average dropped at 190, throwing that out the window, looking at what he's done 2018, 2019, what he's done this year, and he's showing that he's one of the better hitters in baseball that can also throw 100 mile on our fastball. So uh, I wish I had more shares of Shohei Otani. I don't, but I wish I did. Uh, let's go over to the AL East here. To my nemesis, the New York Yankees, Gleyber Torres has not looked good, like at all. It hasn't quite looked, I guess, here yet bad, but he hasn't really looked good in the last couple years. How are you valuing Gleyber Torres right now? Is he still a top 50 guy for you? in your dynasty ranks or seek someone that's kind of sliding out right now. I still have him right around 50, but I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can keep kind of backing him up because he just hasn't looked good. Yeah. And I've had him top 40 and I kind of chalked up last year, just being a weird year, but it's just continued, which both of his first two years, 2018 and 2019 were 
were both very good. And, you know, 2019 home run barrage of 38, we know he hit like 20 of those against Baltimore. So <laughs> poor Baltimore. Know, we, we didn't expect that again, but yeah, he's a legit, I thought 25, 30 home run bat who probably give you five stolen bases and a solid batting average, but he's just not doing that. And he just trended downward and, this year, he's being too passive, in my opinion. He's working too deep into counts. He's not chasing pitches, which is good, but his whiff rate's just not there. So it's like he's working deep into counts and then just whiffing and striking out. It's just not been encouraging by any means. And you look at the overall numbers and oh, just bad. He's got one RBI this year, one RBI and one steal. That's insane. In 60 plate appearances, the slash line's not good. His walk rate at least is decent his walk rates up actually those career high 16 percent, but his strikeout rate also 25 percent, which is the highest since his rookie year in 2018 the hard hit numbers have trended downward i don't know it's hard to know what to make them and again another instance where his launch angle is going up it's like he's trying to sell out for power it's launch angle at 22.6 degrees and not hitting the ball hard he's never he's not he's like chris bryant never really hit the ball hard average exit velos 88 89 mile an hour range and this year at 86 and his max this year has been 106 which is you know four miles an hour lower than last year and you just have question marks and i think that he's not turning in the right direction by any means and you just wonder you know what to make of him it's just weird to see him kind of fall off he's still young at 24 you know i don't know hey he's an interesting case and i do think that he is worth moving down though yeah, and an interesting stat that I saw on a savant page, he is whiffing 35% of the time against fastballs. Like that is really bad. He has been atrocious against fastballs this year, where he's usually hit them pretty well in years past when usually off-speed was his issue. But this year he's actually doing 286 against off-speed, 231 against breaking balls, which is, isn't terrible, but he has not been able to hit fastballs. 11 strikeouts against fastballs and 32 plate appearances. Yeah, he, it's funny, I put that, a tweet out maybe probably mid-2019 or so. I think it was when Lourdes Gurriel first kind of started rising up and doing well, where, you know, I kind of put their their savant pages side by side, and I was like, there's not a big difference here. And, yeah, Gurriel's kind of been struggling this year, but I don't know, that gap was closing in Dynasty of who would I rather have. Yeah, I would still take Gleyber Torres because he's younger and he's got a bit more upside. You gotta love them in Yankee Stadium in that lineup. But at what point do we stop kind of using the Yankees and you know his position and his team and his stadium? Be like, oh yeah, he's just gonna turn it around and he's still young. He's just he's getting progressively worse, I think. And you mentioned the X of Lossy has never been great. You know, the launch angle is up to 22 and a half degrees this year. That's a little too high, especially like you mentioned, when you don't have the X of velocities of the gallows and the statins and the judges you know you can't really get away with having that high of an exit of a uh, launch angle excuse me xba 223 this year has never been above 255 in any of his four seasons in the major leagues i just his hard hit rate is never been higher than 38 percent and he's been right around league average league average is right around like 35 36 percent and he's been right around there give or take this year's done 33.3 percent so far I don't know. It doesn't steal a lot. So he's got to have to hit, you know, the be a top 50 guy. I don't know, man. I, I'm starting to wonder if he's ever going to be a top 50 guy. 
maybe he's just one of those back end top 100 guys where he's hitting like, all right, 260, 270, 30 bombs. But, you know, in short stuff, that's always valuable. But what's the difference between like him and Carlos Correa? I don't, I don't know. Like overall, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, yeah, he's actually he's got the age on his side. He's still only 24. So I'm not saying he's like a bust or anything like that, but you got to wonder if he came up through even like Tampa Bay, Baltimore, not the Yankees or not like Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, whatever. Would he be, would he have been valued as high as he was? Probably not, but he's the shortstop of the Yankees. You know, that's one of the most premier positions in all of sports, obviously because of Derek Jeter and over the last two decades, but man, he is sliding to my rankings, not in a hurry, but every time I update my rankings, I'm, I bump him down three, four more spots. And right now, where do I have him right now? Yeah, he is 48 for me, 49, excuse me, for me right now. And by the time I post my rankings in a couple of days, he might be out of the top 50. But I am not liking what I'm seeing so far from Glaber Torres. Uh, let's go back over to the West Coast, though. Ramon Laureano, he's been very intriguing. He's one, He had this type of speed that he's showing this year. He's at eight steals on the year, which I believe leads the league. And he showed that speed in the kind of the minors, but never really ran a ton his first couple of years. Like he had, you know, a 13 steal year back in his debut, but now the power isn't kind of showing up as much. He's kind of like flipped the script and been more speed than power this year. I don't know. What do you think about that? Are you liking Lariano more as a speed guy or were you liking him more what he was showing his first couple of years? I like the power speed blend and I'd love to see that come back. Maybe it does. You look at the numbers and everything's right in line with what he's done in the past. Nothing really stands out. Honestly, he's hitting the ball harder this year. He's just hitting the ball on the ground more. That's really the biggest thing. It's just you've seen the the launch angle lower, the ground ball rate kind of jump a little bit. So, you know, if he gets that back on track, then he'll be fine. I think you see the home runs kind of come back. And you know, even looking at his spray chart right now, he could you know, realistically have three or four home runs. He's hit several balls of close to 400 feet that ended up as a double or triple or an out even. So, you know, I think it comes around and it, just imagine him right now, if he had four home runs and eight steals, and he was hitting like 260. People would be going berserk, but you know, one home run, the steals obviously are intriguing. Like everybody needs speed, but you know, one, one home run, eight stolen bases, 235 average. It's good, but I think he can take that leap forward. So he might be one to buy right now. It may be hard to pry from an owner because of the stolen bases, but I do think the power is going to come around. I think the batting average does take a step forward, and if he does and he keeps running at this rate, that value is going to be absolutely insane because we saw him in 2018 and 2019. He hit 288 both years, and then that kind of dropped last year to 213. I think the average can get back up in the 260, 270 range. You know, he could be a 20 home run guy and right now he's on pace to steal a million bases. So we'll see if that continues, but yeah, I, I think Loreano is a good buy. I do too. Cause see, he didn't look good last year, but he did look good. Like you mentioned in two previous years where in 2018 and 2019, he combined for 29 home runs and 20 steals in 171 games and uh, 657 plate appearances. But then only the two steals last year and only attempted three in 54 games. So that's exactly one third of a season. So he attempted nine, uh, nine steal attempt pace. 
with his speed, like, he wasn't never gonna be a thirty plus steal guy. But I was when he when he had that twenty four home run season. I'm like, man, he could have had more than thirteen steals. Like that's still nice. Twenty four thirteen is obviously nice. But I was like, yeah, he could have been, you know, he could be a 2020 guy. I still think he can be a 2020 guy. He's shown that he has, you know, enough power to get the 20. He's not a big power guy, but enough to get the 20. Um, and he has, a, you know, 112 exit, max exit velocity this year. And, you know, the which is 90th percentile, you know, hard hit rate, 66th percentile. So it's not great, but I think he's got enough power to get to run 20 home runs. And if he can maintain and keep running like this, which is great, even though he only has a 72nd percentile sprint speed, which is actually the lowest of his career. So it's really weird that he has the lowest sprint speed of his career so far this year, but he's stealing at a much higher pace than he ever has. So, I mean, this is more aggressive on the basis. I'd love that. So I think he could get back to 2020 this year. And yeah, I don't believe he's a 288 type of guy. It's even like you look at those two years, his XBAs were you know down the 255, 260 range. And I think, and even this year, XB is 264. I think that's right around where he is 265, 270, somewhere in that range. Solid, not great, not bad, uh, good enough. And I think if the power kicks back up, I think he could be, you know, 2020 guy this year. So I definitely agree that it's a good time to buy Larry Honor right now. Soon he's kind of struggling a little bit with the average. So I think you could get him for a, a solid price tag right now. Sticking out there in the NLS, though, my boy. Two guys in Seattle. So we'll start with one. My boy, Mitchie Hanniga. Ter- wow, my, my New England accent just came out on that. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> Mitchie Hanniga um, has been tearing the cover off the ball this year. I was touting him up all crazy. I'm not taking a victory lap here, but it's more so I'm just glad to see him back for all he dealt with and how good he looked you know, in 2017, 18, 19. See him back and doing well this year. Uh, through his first 15 games, 328, 348, 590 slash line, four doubles, four home runs, 11 RBIs. Has not attempted to steal yet, but he's hitting very, very well, moving way back up my rankings. I, I don't know. He's in my top 200 now. I don't know if he'll ever get to top 100 level. He's, he's already 30 years old. I wish he'd be a few years. If he's 26, I would just be loving Mitch Hanner even more right now. But he's already 30. So everyone think, I think knows my thoughts on Hanniger. Where are you at on Mitch Hanniger, Chris? Yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat where, you know, I've always loved him and you just can't push him incredibly high due to the age. And, you know, is he going to steal bases? Like, you know, he was giving you like five to eight stolen bases, which while it's not a lot, it's still valuable. If you get a lot of guys that contribute five to eight stolen bases on your team, Makes a huge difference. But. Yeah, those those are the guys I love. Just get get me some speed. I, I hate having those all or nothing. It's like, all right, I have five guys that have nothing, and like I rely on all these speed only guys. I hate that. Yeah. So I wonder how much he'll run this year. Hard to say for sure. Sprint speed about fiftieth percentile. I know that's not a huge factor for stolen bases, but you know, I'm glad the power's coming back around. You know, he he had shown that it was an up and down kind of you know, career so far for Hanniger. And then he broke out in 2018 at 20, 26 home runs, 285 average that year with eight stolen bases. And then we know the injury got him in 2019, but he was off to a hot start there with 15 home runs and 283 plate appearances. Obviously didn't play at all last year. This year, it's just good to see him back on track after the injuries. 
too rough to even talk about, but you know, <laughs> everything everything looks legit. I'm very happy for the guy. And yeah, you know, like you said, I think that he's easily a top 200 dynasty asset. He could push 150, but with the age, I'd be hesitant to push him much further and also want to see, you know, how he continues to perform. But yeah, everything looks good. Everything kind of checks out with the performance and yeah, I'm, I'm buying in. Yeah, same can be said for his teammate, Ty France, who was a popular sleeper pick this draft season back in the spring, and he used to nothing to deter those people. 305, 400, 525, three home runs so far and 70 plate appearances. Again, he's not a speed guy at all. Eighth percentile sprint speed, and uh, very slow, but he can hit, man. And, you know, hopefully he settles into a, a full-time gig, which it looks like he has so far, but... When they get some of these young players up, I wonder if he's going to have to continue to hit well because he doesn't really have a defensive home. He's not a great defender. So you got to wonder you know, how he fits into their long-term plans. But right now, so far, so good. 84th percentile barrel rate at 15.4%. Sweet spot, 56.4%, which is well above league average. Got a good launch angle. He's always been very consistent with the launch angle, right around 15, 16 degrees or so. This year, at 162 X Wobicon's 515. He's continuously up the walk rate up to 9.1% this year. K rate is a little higher at 27.3%, but that's not terrible anymore. Yeah, it's it's below average, but it's not atrocious anymore when you have guys like Kyria and Dahlbeck and all them king at 35%. But with France, he's kind of an odd one. It's like say, who knows where he ends up defensively, his long-term projections, but you got to love what he's, you're seeing out of Ty France right now. So where, where are you valuing him right now? Is he top 250 guy for you? Where do you have him? Yeah, I think he, he's borderline 250. He's still young. I mean, 26 years old. There's still plenty of time. I mean, this is his, really his first chance at regular playing time, and hopefully it sticks. You know, I mean, he's he's got 70 plate appearances, which is very encouraging so far. The slash line looks good at 305, 405, 25, three home runs. I think the power may come around a little bit. He's got a good max exit velo. The average his is okay. It's never been great, but he's capable of hitting the ball hard. And we've seen it in the past. You know, he did it in the minor leagues where he hit like 400 with like 30 home runs and like 400 plate appearances. Kind of nuts. Obviously, a uh, very hitty, hitter happy environment, but I do think France can be solid. And you know, where you draft him this year and his dynasty value, he's a good, good pickup because he's got eligibility kind of across the board in most formats and he's always hit for a solid average. I don't see why that goes away. And I think there's 20 home run pop here. So while he's not flashy, I think that he gets the job done. And I, I really like what he has to offer with that multi-position eligibility. You, you've seen what he's done so far. I think it sustains to an extent. So I'm a big fan of Ty France. Very happy to have him on a lot of my teams. Yes, me too. I, I have him probably I'd say on three or four teams this year. Uh, so I'm liking that. You know, I think I think he could settle in. Yeah, I think I don't think he's already a huge power guy, like you mentioned, but I think maybe 270, 275 or so, 20, 25 bombs, you know, from um, either second or third. That's pretty valuable. Let's see if he retains second base eligibility. We'll see, but definitely highly valuable. He's only utility eligible in some leagues, but uh, solid bat. I just don't think he'll ever be a star, but yeah, I have him 245 in my rankings right now, which I think is pretty fair. Um, but yeah, definitely off to a really good start here, which is encouraging to see and him back up, you know, what he did in the minor leagues and show that that was on a fluke. Uh, let's talk about one more here. 
let's end with one of the hottest names that came out of at nowhere. You know, <laughs> this start of the season benefited from the Eloy Jimenez injury. Yerman Mania, or Yermania, whatever you want to call it, Yerman Mercedes has been absolutely tearing a cover off the ball for the Chicago White Sox in 50 plate appearances, four doubles, three home runs, 11 RBI, slashing 457, 500, 739. If I had Mercedes in, in a dynasty league, one million percent of my selling high, he's already 28. So like, it's not like he's 23, 24 coming up. He's already 28. Long-term defensive home, who knows? You know, he can catch a little bit, but you know they already have a ton of catchers in Chicago that are much better to, behind the plate than he is. So I just don't know where he fits long-term. If he's a guy that when everyone's healthy, is he going to get a shot? Who knows? I think he's a good little story right now, but I'm 100% selling high on Yerman, even though he's, you know, I'm not saying he's not a solid hitter. Like he's showing in minor leagues that he, he was a potent bat. Like look at 2019, 317, 388, 581, slash 23 bombs in 95 games between double and triple A. Overall, 302 hitter in the minor leagues, over 617 games. That's a lot of minor league games. But I don't know. I just can't fully buy into this because of the age. I don't know where how he fits in long term in Chicago. So if I had him, which I don't, but <laughs> I don't think I have him in any league. But if I did, I'd be selling. What about you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, it's a wonderful start. It's a great story, but you know, I just really wonder how long it can sustain. I like what I've seen so far. I mean, it's an interesting profile. He honestly, his average exit velo is not great. His hard hit rate's not great. He's shown the ability to hit the ball hard. I mean, his max exit velo of, of 113.3 is encouraging. I don't know. It's it's a weird profile to say the least. And, you know, I just think regression's coming. He may maintain playing time this year because obviously Eloy's out a while and he could end up losing some. I mean, other guys could get injured. He could gain some time from that. But I don't know. Like you said, in a dynasty league, long term, I'm definitely selling. So cash out on it. People are going berserk about him. Team names have changed to like Yerminator, all kind of stuff. <laughs> so go just trade him. You can get a lot for him. So I have no problem doing that at all. Yeah, he's currently hitting over 600 against fastballs and off speed. Like that's not going to sustain. Obviously, he's he's a great fastball hitter. Breaking balls. He's only hitting 211. You got to think they're going to throw him less fastballs moving forward here. You know, once the, the league will adjust to your Mercedes, and like you mentioned, yeah, his max exit velo is great, but hard hit 18th percentile, average exit velo 21st percentile. You know, he doesn't provide any speed, so he's going to have to hit, which I think he can. I think it'll be a good little story for this year, but, you know, I think, you know, the longer you wait to sell your Mercedes, I think the lower price you'll get in return for him. So, Definitely sell him right now because this is there's a good chance this is probably the highest you'll ever see his value moving forward. I don't think we're looking at the second coming of Nelson Cruz or anything like that. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, definitely sell high on your Mercedes. But yeah, all right, that's going to wrap us up, though. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode and that it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aircross04. Chris is at RotoCleg and our show at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of, the, of our written work on FantraxHQ.com. We will be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.
Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next.